I wish you guys nothing but best. The ceiling is the roof. Let's make it happen. Let's keep moving forward. ceiling is the roof it's mike marshall bobby corella back with you again for another week of our guest focused podcast i hope you checked out the previous ones with tim cato and austin garuya in the very first episode with mark followell uh let me go ahead and tease a few things before we introduce our guest this wednesday sons versus mavericks in phoenix arizona uh, i think that marina is in phoenix is it in phoenix proper bob I believe it is in Phoenix proper. Still it's definitely it. in a downtown, so I'm going to say Phoenix. Talking Stick? Talking Stick Resort. Sweet. Um, yeah, definitely so top five coolest stadium name. The next time we talk to you, we'll actually have a game to pick over. Uh, I think it's a late night game. Uh, 9.30. 9.30 local, yep. 9.30 local, Wednesday night for the opener, season opener, Mavs versus Suns. Uh, we'll get to see DeAndre Ayton versus Luka, which will be super fun, so make sure and lock in for that. And then Saturday, the home opener. Uh, Minnesota Timberwolves here, so get your tickets. Uh, party in the plaza before the game, and that's all the stuff I need to pub right now. Players wearing the Timberwolves jersey will be in the building that night. We'll see who they are. There will be a number of them. What if it's just Jimmy Butler in the third team? Then it's <laughs> going to be a tough game. <laughs> Apparently, it's going to be a really tough yeah, game. That's if their that's best roster. Yeah, if that's who shows up, it's going to be. That's their best five-man unit. <laughs> they, could, they could be. It's going to be. A, it's going to be a tough night against Kate Bates Jobs and, uh, <laughs> and Jimmy Butler. Um, all right. Well, let's get to our guest. One of my oldest, uh, most not in terms of age, but just in terms of media, um, and best and most respected friends that I have is joining us this week, Mike Pellucci. How you doing, bro? Everything after oldest was a total lie, but I am I am good, brother. It is good to be here. Yeah, you're back in the Metroplex. You were in L.A. for a long time. I was. Um, formerly of Vice Sports, um, currently of the New York Times, The Ringer, uh, Bleacher Report, The Athletic. Basically, he's a national writer on the scale that... Only uh, some of those things. Yeah. <laughs> Sports <laughs> Illustrated, The Ringer, Bleach Report, but I do, I do write nationally. Yeah, yeah national writer that uh, I think whenever you... You've made it work, which is like very impressive to me because a lot of people uh, come up with their little blogs and uh, then they start writing for an outlet. And, uh, you know, a lot of people just... They, they don't have the chops for it, don't know how to make the writing game work, but... Uh, you're one of my favorite people to read and one of my best friends, so it's great to have you on the podcast. Man. Thank you, man. Hey, it's, uh, we've done this in a lot of different forms over the years. It's nice to be able to do this under the official Mavericks roof, or yeah, the official man. Mavericks ceiling, since that is, in go. fact, the roof. That's the ceiling true, is man. the roof. The ceiling is, is the roof, and we are quick. here. Yeah. Catch on you quick. Know, it's, it's how I've stayed in it this long. <laughs> exactly. Quick learner. Quick learner, this one. Yeah, me and Pellucci go back to, jeez, um, I think I was probably still in college. It's um, like 2010? Yeah. Somewhere around there. You were writing for Fox Sports Southwest. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was doing podcasts with uh, Mike Fisher, DallasBasketball.com. Yep. And uh, we'd see each other, each other every once in a while. And I'd be like, hey, I read your stuff. I really like uh, what you do. And he was like, well, who are you, kid? And we you know, started hanging out. <laughs> not at all how it <laughs> happened. <laughs> Just even, so many falsehoods of this podcast. Yeah. Stop even though, even though what, how old are you? 
Uh, I'm 31. Okay, I'm older than him. Wow. Is that crazy? <laughs> wow. That's crazy, right? So you're, you're old manning Mike whenever Mike is like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're 22 yeah. years yeah, old. Yeah, but he has all of his hair, though. See, that's where he, got, yeah, that's where he gets me. He's just oh. incredible hair. It's people, true. People say true. that. Um, but yeah, man, I wanted to get uh, you in here for, you know, about 10, 12 different reasons. Um, one of which being that you have a really cool, usually have a really cool national perspective and insight into how the Mavericks are running as a Maverick fan. Um, True story. You, uh, you pay more attention to them probably than just about anybody, uh, any other team around. I know you were uh, at Staples pretty often whenever you're out in L.A., um, wherever the story takes you. You'd kind of go go chase, but you always keep an eye on the Mavericks. So you're not uh, not out of the loop in terms of Mavs information and fandom and caring about the team. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to get get your ideas, your perspective on this season, um, some of the changes that have been made over the over the off season in terms of DeAndre and Luca. But let's start with Luca Doncic. I feel like the hype train has reached a fever pitch, critical mass <laughs> at this at this point. And uh, if the season doesn't get here too soon, like something might catch fire. <laughs> but uh, Luca, from from the outside, from someone that uh, pays attention to a lot of teams as much as they do the Mavericks, we're in our little bubble over here. Like I think the world of the kid. I um, he's 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 like a son to me. He's my large adult. <laughs> he's my large adult son. In that everything good about him, I find one other thing where I'm like. Well, let's work on this, kiddo. Let's let's do that right, too. Right, right. Eat your greens as well. <laughs> so, I guess tell me the the outside perspective in your in your opinion of um, I guess the road that brought him here. Yeah, uh, his development uh, in in route to being the third overall pick and it, the the forecast for his season this year. I mean, I think the biggest thing that struck me because I was still living in L.A. when this was all going down was just it felt. Like last year, right, you know, Dennis Smith, top 10 pick, I think we can all safely say in terms of talent, much higher than just the top 10 pick, uh, which is still saying something. But it didn't really have, you know, at least from living out there, it didn't have that, you know, that seismic impact. It was, oh, this guy is good at the Mavericks got him, that could be something. When it was Luka, that was what made everybody, wherever you were in the country, say, well, we're watching the Mavericks this season. We are going to see what this guy is because this could be something special. It's just different on a perception level. And I think that for this franchise is a win because not only has it been up and down in terms of the record, but even when it's been up, this isn't a team that's been in the national conversation as much post-2011. So just having that guy that uh, the casual fan probably knows, the NBA you know, hardcore fan absolutely knows NBA Twitter nerds out over having that here is such a win, no matter what he does in the court, because that is relevance. I think, you know, talent wise and skill set wise, you see, you guys have been killing it every week, breaking it down. I think we know what he is, at least in terms of what the floor might be, right? You know, there's there's so much. You know, I'm I I love Dennis a lot. I, I'm such a, a big Dennis fan, um, but I think we, there's safe to say there's there's a lot of variance, right? You could see Dennis becoming something like a Russ Westbrook, or you could see Dennis becoming that guy who never gets the jump shot, and well, then we're just looking at a nice volume bench guy or volume score or something like that. With Luca, if nothing else, I think you're getting a very, very, very solid upper level starter, right? That it's that's if that's the worst that happens, if your worst thing that happens is your rich man's Hito Turkoglu, then that's still a win in the crapshoot that is the NBA draft. Uh, but I think we're all kind of in agreement. It's going to be something better than that. So the fun will be sort of in the mystery. Um, I think last year, last year in some ways was kind of, you know, there were times when it was a slog. It was a long year, uh, not just because of the record, but because how many, 
I guess there was there were only so many mysteries with that team, right? You know, you're you you're watching Dennis. You're wondering what Dennis can be. I think a lot of the rest of the team you kind of knew about, and that's that's comforting in a sense when you're winning, right? I don't think anybody complained about this team circa. Not even 2010, 2011, let's say like even 2008, 2009, when they're still ripping off 50 win seasons. It's like, we know what this team is, but I know it's going to be a good team. So even though I'm, there's not much variance, I'm enjoying the ride. Last year was, all right, this is going to be a long year, and I only have so many things that are going to surprise me. But I think this year, Luca being the main thing, but Dennis still obviously still very young in his development, DeAndre being new here, some interesting, you know, more, you know, end of the rotation, but still in the rotation, guys, to mix it. You got a lot more question marks and a lot more things will keep you interested. Um, even if this is still, you know, I think this team will be safely improved over last year. It's still going to be probably an uphill climb to get to the playoffs. But I think we got a lot more things to keep our eyes open for. And he's, of course, the top of that list. One of the variables that didn't work out last season the quite the way the Mavs fans wanted to and the franchise probably wanted to was Nerlens. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's oh, why, because yeah. you know what Wes Matthews is. I think right. I can tell you within degrees of what Wes Matthews is going to do, what Harrison Barnes is going to yeah. do, and what Dirk's going to do. It's all. It's like, uh, okay, whenever you're editing audio, you do uh, amplitude compression, and everything kind of like lines up in between 5 dB and negative 5 dB, and it's in here, and it's it's right in the groove. And those guys, if they had the best seasons they could possibly have, I could tell you what it looked like. Yeah. Nerlens was the variable. Yes. So, so you're right about that roster. This year feels... I don't want to say I don't want to put too much on Luca and too much on Dennis, but I feel like the variables um, have such extreme outcomes. Um, and for Luca, you I feel like you know the floor, you know what he can be. You you mentioned it, a rich man's Hidu Turkaloo. Um, with Dennis, I think we're kind of underselling Dennis at this point. Oh yeah, um, I can totally see it. I, I I've been saying for the last couple of weeks that. We're all looking right past this kid that's about to score 20 points a game and be one of the best point guards in the league, one of the best second-year point guards that's ever probably happened um, because of this shiny new toy we have. Um, And it it makes sense. I think Luka's going to be that good. And trading the fifth pick for the third pick is a headline in itself. Yes. No matter who gets drafted after that. The, uh, the fact that it's the most accomplished international prospect that's ever come overseas um, is a headline in itself as well. Yeah. So it's just a train car of juice in, <laughs> in, in how Luca came here. But I feel like we're, we haven't paid enough attention to how good Dennis Smith Jr. is going to be this season. Yeah, no, I, I 1,000% agree. You know, I think what's fun about both of them is, you know, we've, we've all been following this team for so long, well before we started doing some version of what we do for a living, right? We watch a lot of Mavs basketball, and I think what I love about both of these guys is that archetypically, we've never seen anything like that in a Mavericks uniform before, and I think with Luka, that's been that's been covered to death because it's just so unconventional. He's just this new age breed, whereas with Dennis, it's just straight up like, and you could go back to like the late 80s with a Kevin Johnson in a sense of, hey, he's the most athletic dude on the floor, and he's a point guard, and he's going to just drive the lane and dunk on you. We haven't seen that in Mavs uniform, right? Like, you know, young Finley was a great athlete as a shooting guard. But even then, you know, Michael Finley wasn't the best athlete on the wing in the game. And Dennis, without hyperbole, could be that. And that, for me, is what I love of, you know, especially when that point guard glut last year after Fultz and after Lonzo, which I think everybody knew they weren't getting denied, right? And so then you're thinking, all right, well, Fox still might not get there, but there's a chance. And then Nilakina might get there. And Dennis, and what do you want? My, My whole thing, like, I was like, look. If nothing else, I'm going to enjoy so much watching this dude in a Mavs uniform do freaky things that push the bounds of human athleticism because that's just not a thing that we've seen around here. Um, And I think 
you're right in the sense that, like, look, you know, as much as I said, like, the, the floor could be very low for a dentist, I don't think dentist actually hits that floor either because when you're, when you're this percentage of an athlete, you just you make an impact. I don't know, you know, I think the impact is going to vary between will he fill it up to 20 points a night? Yeah, I think he will. Uh, that there still can be a big gap between that and the best players in the league, and that's where, you know, the nuances will come in, the jump shot being a big one, but just learning how to be a floor general, and I think a lot of that, I think that's another way in which I think people undersold him. You know, this is a guy who, look, for however much things did not click with Rick and Nerland's Noel, here's a 19-year-old kid who Rick thinks the world of, and Rick loves studying film with, and Rick put more on his plate as the year went along. So clearly, everything from a makeup perspective has been great year one, and when you blend that with his talent, I'm going to bet on this dude all day, every day. I like the point that you made about it, how this is something that we've never seen before as Mavs fans or watchers, whatever. We've never seen two guys, one guy like Dennis, one guy like Luca. but I, I want to kind of go back to Luca a little bit so we've watched Dirk for 20 years. He is a guy who, even at 40 years old, can impact the game by not touching the ball. Yeah. We've never really seen a player before here, especially one on the wing, but really even at guard, unless we're counting Steve Nash for just a little bit of time, you know, whenever he was kind of – he reached that all-star level, what, 2002, 2003? And then Some he left. Effect, yeah. And then he left. So, you know, he wasn't here for very long. We, I would argue that we've never really seen a player at the peak of his powers – as Luca will hopefully be within a couple of years, who can affect the game with the ball in his hands. Dirk was never really the fulcrum that you would play through. He was like always the end point. You know, he was kind of the, the Barnes guy. Give it to him and let him score. He was never really making plays for other people. Now, he had plenty of assists and all this stuff, but the thing that I'm interested about watching Luca do is how he's going to make plays for others. How this six foot eight guy is going to be one of the very few people at his position yeah. that can help his teammates out. And there's just really not many players in the NBA who can do that. You automatically think of, like, LeBron and Giannis and all these guys. And I'm not saying he's going to be as good as them, but we've just never seen the Mavericks have that player. I think the hope is that Parsons would be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or that, you know, there have been other wings throughout history, I guess. Uh, Mark Aguirre was more of a scorer. Uh, Rolando Blackman was more of a scorer. I mean, we've never really had a player on the perimeter, on the wing specifically, that could set the table for his teammates. Sure, absolutely. Well, and I think, you know, you you raise a good point about only getting so much of it with Nash. I mean, it's that, and it's also, I think, one of the great what-ifs for every Mavs fan is always, well, what if we had the prime years of Jason Kidd? You know, not just the first year where you were seeing the flickers and not just the end when he was still a quality player, but of course he wasn't what he was. But what if we got some of those Phoenix years or those New Jersey years when he was the best point guard on the planet for a period of time? And so, yeah, I mean, and and that's where, you know, blending Luca with Dennis you know certainly I think a big thing we all want to see is how Dennis is going to move off the ball because there are so many ways in which I'm just thinking of all these all these great back cuts that we could have of just Luca has the ball in his hands to throw it up and Dennis just dunks all over somebody you know I think that's what I want to see like if I don't see that three times a week I'm just gonna be really sad <laughs> yeah, I had a question for Mike actually on, on the last podcast that we did together was what does he think will be more Luca to Dennis alley-oops or Luca and Dennis triple doubles combined oh. this season that's great. It's got to be alley-oops, right? I think it's got to be alley-oops because I think – yeah, I mean, you could theoretically do that once a night once these guys get in rhythm with each other. Once a night would be pretty incredible. And that would yeah. be beautiful. I would, I, that would not suck. Yeah. That would not <laughs> suck at all. Yeah. That, would, that would definitely be – that would be above average at least. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, so back to Luca. I think we've all um, – we're, we're pretty drunk on, on the Euro drip on, on, Luke, <laughs> on Luca sauce right now. And, uh, you know, if he's not um, – 15, 7, and 7, I think we're all going to be really 
Uh, not disappointed, but we'll be making excuses to ourselves yeah. about oh, yeah. about his season. So have we gotten a little a little too hot? The oven got a little too hot on expectation for him because I just get the feel like it's almost like something that I don't even have to um, start fathoming in my mind about how does he do this, how does he do that. I see him and just normal interactions with him. He doesn't act like a rookie. He doesn't look lost anytime he goes yeah. anywhere. Like today, just a little stupid thing. Uh, we're at the tip-off luncheon, and he sits down, and it's a group of other dudes, and it's him and, uh, him and Sala and Maxi are yep. on the same panel. And all the guys sit down, and they grab their microphone, and they're looking for, okay, where's the question coming from? Where do I answer? Luca sits down and goes, <laughs> he tests his mic. He yeah. tests, makes sure his mic is working before he starts talking. Yeah. Like, just to make sure he doesn't put up to his mouth and have an embarrassing moment of, oh, this mic's dead. Like, he acts like he's, like, 25. And it's probably yeah. because he's 25 in professional basketball terms. He's, yeah. he's got a stately way about him. He really does. He, nice, he does. Nice use the word stately. I like yeah. that. That's good. <laughs> he never looks lost, and that's part of the, the issues that happened to – I mean, Donovan Mitchell didn't come on until two months into the season last year. And right. he was otherworldly whenever he did, but it took him a little while to figure it out. Are we putting too much on him in terms of, okay, obvious rookie of the year, um, should be playing 35 minutes a night and have such an impact on a game? Should we tap the brakes a little bit and just be like, enjoy him growing? I'll, I'll put it this way. The fact that there is even a part of me that, like, it's not, like, above 50%, but there's, like, a not small percentage of me that wants to be, like, no. <laughs> but, I mean, like, look, obviously, yeah. You, you don't want to put that on him because, like, if you ask anybody who's the best rookie of this, like, last year's rookie class was stacked, and nobody in their right mind would have said Donovan Mitchell is the best dude in this rookie class right now. Um, so you just don't know how things could go. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer. I know the Mavs had Luka as their, their clear-cut number one guy. I'm a big Aiton guy, too. I would have put them right there in the same tier. If you told me that DeAndre Aiton comes out and tears it up as rookie there, I wouldn't be shocked the slightest. I love Triple J in Memphis, you know? So... I think expecting him to be head and shoulders above his peers and be the superlative best player all around right now, I mean, it's just not fair to put on anybody. Uh, I do think game sense-wise, I think that's not an unfair expectation, though. Uh, to, to say, you know what, he probably should look like the smartest 19-year-old on the floor. That doesn't always mean that he'll dominate accordingly, right? It'll take some time for the process to meet the results. But I at least think that if nothing else the mental curve for him will be shorter than it would have been for like, even like a guy like Dennis who just came through the American university system, but you know, hasn't played as many big games. And of course missed a year of high school development when he tore his ACL. So I do think mentally. Yeah. I mean, it, I think we're all Mavs fans. We all, you know, everybody knows what they landed. Uh, so I think it's natural to get to push the, the cart ahead of the course, uh, so to speak. But I don't think I don't think it's totally insane to do that. Uh, I think it's only a little insane. We're only a little nuts. Well, I think the more dis or the I guess the fewer distractions you have, the more you can focus on basketball. Yeah. So Dennis would tell stories last year of like they're about to go on a five game road trip. So how do I pack a bag for five days? Uh, when do I need to go to the airport? How much sleep do I need to get in the hotel? Mm -hmm. Because these are very comfortable hotels. They get very dark because they have blackout curtains. So sometimes you sleep longer than you should. Yeah. Or like, how do you uh, maintain your diet on the road? And obviously we could make jokes about Luca and everyone saying he's out of shape and all that stuff. But I mean, he looks fine when he plays. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't think his diet is going to be that big of an issue. But like, there's all these things that you have to worry about. 
and get used to whenever you become a pro. Uh, more interviews, more responsibilities, more public uh, appearances, things like that. And Luke has been doing it for five or six yeah, years. Yeah, that's the thing. He's been doing that since before we had driver's licenses at that age. Yeah. You know, which is just wild. I mean, you, you think about it in the abstract, but then you apply it to your own life. It's like, well, what was I doing at 15? Nothing productive. <laughs> what was he doing? Speak Playing. for yourself. I was in high school marching band when I was 15. Fair, so. fair. So Bobby, Bobby ahead of both of us. Yeah. I'm yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh. So, yeah, I mean, all those little things. And those add up, and you make such a good point because you don't get it until you talk to some of these guys. I mean, you know, the textbook one that I always remember reading about was, you know, Kwame Brown back in the day with the Wizards. The poor dude didn't, like, threw his suits on, like, hotel chairs because he just didn't know to hang the damn things because he was, <laughs> he was 18 years away from home, and he had Michael Jordan destroying his soul every week. So, like... You just forget these things um, unless you really speak to these folks and you kind of hear a little bit about it. And but for Luca, that's that's not an issue. And you know, and of course, like to a point, you know, like to be fair, like okay, Dirk played pro and Dirk had a hard cultural adjustment, but Dirk was never, and Dirk, I'm sure, will be the first one to say it was never the player that Luca was at that age in Europe. Never had the expectations. Never was out in the world as a public figure the way that was. So we're even our biggest precedent here in Dallas isn't really a precedent in a lot of ways. Yeah, well, you, you mentioned Dirk, actually, uh, in Ian Thompson's book, The Soul of Basketball. We talked to him on an earlier podcast. In that book, he told stories about Dirk's rookie year. You know, staffers would walk into his apartment and there'd just be unchecked or uncashed checks just sitting on his table. You know, like <laughs> four or five game checks ago, he still hasn't, he still hasn't cashed mm-hmm. them out. So... Uh, Having yeah. to buy a bed that was big enough for him. Yeah, because he, he was just sleeping in a normal twin bed or double yeah. bed or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, come, like, come on, how do you not know? But then again, he's like 19. He's a teenager. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. all I wanted to do when I was 19 is drink underage. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, Figure that's, out which shell station would sell me beer. <laughs> yeah, that's all I cared about. <laughs> all but, I was uh, trying to do. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> guess, I guess, too, to be fair, Dirk was playing second division German basketball, which yeah. is like, you know, mm-hmm. Real Madrid is almost an NBA team. I mean, yeah. if we're being honest. 33rd best team in the world. 31st. 31st. Oh, yeah, we only have 30. This ain't the teams. NFL, yeah. friend. <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm already putting the Sonics back and putting a team in like Puerto Rico. Oh, so. Montreal? Yeah. Montreal's talking about getting a team now. Yeah. Why doesn't St. Louis have a basketball team? I feel like that's a thing that's that would a great, go great. Well. That's Did a great that's question. The Hawks started in St. Louis, right? Back in the day. Oh, and then they had the ABA with the Spirits of St. Louis. And yeah. The Spirits. Yeah. yeah. Great jerseys, BT Dubs. Put a team in St. Louis. Put a team in Seattle. Yep. Everything will be right with the world. Call it a day. So what are you are you moving Memphis to the we east? We can slide Memphis back to the yeah, east. Or fair. are you going uh are you going four eight team conferences? Are you going west, north, east? I haven't thought south? it that far through, Bobby. Okay, okay. I just want a basketball team in St. Louis and a basketball team in Seattle and we'll yeah. figure it out later. Okay, yeah. okay. Sounds good. Exactly. Um okay, so from a national perspective, from um just looking around the league. Do you think other teams, or do, or do you even look at the Mavs and go, y'all better watch out for this young core because they've got something that other teams would probably kill to have at this point. And Dennis Smith Jr. and Luka Doncic, um, and you know, <laughs> cap space this off season yeah. to do whatever they want. If they want to retain their guys, that's fine. Uh, Harrison Barnes is under contract for he's got a player option. DeAndre Jordan's here, um, but long term, like going. Whenever you start talking about challenging what the Lakers are going to be doing, what the longevity of the 76ers is, and how they measure up against Boston, you Boston know, for one. sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of the other teams around the league, do you look at Dennis, Luka, this franchise and their ability and their willingness to spend and make leaps and bounds over one offseason, do you look at that and go, they could be as good as anybody pretty soon? 
if they make if they're one or two more shrewd moves away. I think I think they're. I'm not ready to go there yet because I think the difference between this and those is not only I think one you've seen the top tier young guys do it at a higher level for a little longer to the point where like nobody's asking if Jason Tatum is a top guy like we you know or like a top young prospect he's done it we think Luca could be that and for all we know we, we could say after 10 games okay Luca's definitely that but we haven't seen it you know the secondary guy of like a Jalen Brown we've seen him do this in you know, for across two years now in playoff games, all that we know, whereas with Dennis, it's more of it's still a projection. So I think it's a, it's a few things. It's one, you need to see the young guys, I think, really definitively take another jump up to where we're like, OK, we know everything we think Dennis and Luca can be. They are. And I think the second step is also all of those teams have multiple supporting guys that are on the younger side. Like Robert Covington and Dario Saric aren't going to be all-stars. Robert Covington and Dario Saric are be good players on good teams that could compete. And I don't know, if, you know, we don't know after those two young guys what's a part of this core. Is Harrison Barnes here in two or three years? I like Harrison's game a lot, but maybe he decides he doesn't want to be here. Maybe the organization finds something else. Maybe something crazy presents itself at free agency and the the long-held dream of this team to finally get a star in free agency actually happens. There's so many variables, and there are, there just aren't enough guys on the secondary level where I can look and say, all right, I know that we have our two stars, you know, and setting aside the larger conversation, I think you probably need three in today's world, but even setting that aside, also saying we've got our three to four role players who are going to be around these guys for a while. Now, that part, I don't worry about as much because I think if there's one thing this organization has proven it can do, even when people are skeptical of it, it's find guys and turn them into rotation contributors. They've been fantastic at that for years and years and years of, hey, this second round pick, yeah, we're going to make him into something useful. That free agent scrap heap guy, yeah, he's going to be good. That busted lottery pick that you think sucks, we're going to take him at his age 24 year and he's been in the game for a bit and learn the ins and outs and we're to refashion them as something else so i think this team will figure that out and like it wouldn't shock me if some of those guys are on this roster it wouldn't shock me if jalen brunson becomes like a a good rotation guard um the the one that i'm really intrigued by and this is more of a more of a, a higher you know more of a roll of the dice but it wouldn't shock me uh is a ryan brokoff because um so i was doing a story out in california on David Patrick, and who is not a household name, but if you know David Patrick's name, uh, he's most famous for being the Australian whisperer. He is Ben Simmons' godfather. He is the guy who got Ben Simmons to LSU. Uh, he is the guy who at St. Mary's recruited Patty Mills and Matthew Delvadova to the United States. This dude, and now he's at UC Riverside, uh, his first head coaching gig, but he's going to be a thing. He's going to be a big college name, I think, you know, probably about five to ten years he's going to be a big deal and so i was talking with him we were just talking about various australian players and i asked him about brokoff and uh because he's seen everybody dating back to 15 20 years you know so in his comparison and this isn't a unique comparison for him his comparison was joe eagles and i think we've all heard that i think some of us have made that i think it's kind of the pet thing so maybe in and of itself right you're thinking well that doesn't mean that much but this isn't some of us from the outside. This is the dude who's worked with or knows every relevant Australian player for the last 15 years. And it's like, oh yeah, Joe Ingles, uh, at least on offense. So defensively, we got some things to, to iron out a little bit. But like, okay, nobody thought Joe Ingles was going to be a good core piece of one of the three or four best Western Conference teams. He got cut. Yeah. And Clippers cut him. Yeah. Uh, and here he is, right? So who's to say a dude who has that offensive profile and could clearly shoot whatever happens the dude can shoot 
who's to say that doesn't become a guy, you know? So I think they'll figure that out. I think the hard part is getting the stars. I feel pretty good that you've got two of them right now, but they still have to get there. So I'm not, I, I think we're still probably a couple of years away, at least from saying, oh, they could challenge Philly and all that. But you know what? Here, two stars are 19 and 20. So you've got plenty of time. The clear thing is that they're on the right track. And, you know, for all we know, I think if they do try to go back to the route they're going to four or five years ago and say, let's get the cap room, let's try to bring guys in. We haven't seen them try it when they've had legit young stars. So who's to say this won't work this time around? We just don't know. We haven't seen them in this scenario. So talking a little bit about uh, a little more about the end of the roster guys, you mentioned Brokoff. I agree with you. There are a couple other guys who I think are more like the secret, like Indy mm-hmm. Mavs fans know about them. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Kleba. Yep. Finney-Smith obviously hardly played at all last year. Yeah. Maxi played a little bit at center, but he wasn't really playing power forward, even though I think that's more of his natural position. And, you know, he's playing with different guys every night and all that stuff on a losing team. Um, I feel like I know a lot about those guys because I just am at practice all the time, and you hear, like, yeah. these guys are legends in practice, but then on the floor, you know, something it, it gets lost in translation. But as someone who lived in California, as someone who's not around the team, what do you think about those guys? I mean, yeah. what is the what is your perception of those types of players who, you know, you only see for maybe five or ten minutes right. in a game, and and you don't really know kind of what they're all about? What do you, what do you think of their game, and have you watched them all this preseason? Um, not as much of this preseason. I mean, Maxi was the one who really intrigued me because I, I think I probably got in the door the way a lot of people did, which was wait, he's a German guy and he wears forty two, and he's from the same town. All right, let's. Is this a gimmick? It what are we kind of like a bit? <laughs> are we doing a bit? At first, I was like, "What is going on?" Are we like, yeah? So, but then you watch him, and he's 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 got something to him. You know, he's got some skills. He's more fluid than you would think he is. Um, and so, I, I I do wonder, you know, if he's playing more in his natural position, and you're getting him some more minutes. You know, what can kind of come of this? And I know some of the national, you know, more advanced statty folks who were in on him too, is saying, you know, this, there might be something here. I think I think with Dorian, it's it's just a matter of. You know, it's so hard in today's game to be a, to be a, a one-way specialist, and I, I don't think any questions that he's long and he's athletic and the dude hustles. And I think you could certainly get some defensive energy out of him, get some rebounding out of him, but, like, what, what are you getting on the offensive end? And I think it's just it's hard to hide those guys in today's game, you know, even the way you could have maybe five years ago. So I think for me, the one that I sit there and I, I'm intrigued by is probably uh, more maxi, but I think Dorian also probably fits something more – that what this team could use. Like, I, I think you have more, like, look, between, and it's a, it's a spectrum, right? They're not all the same level of skills or body types, but between Harrison, between Dirk, between even a, a Dwight Powell, between a Maxi, you have bigger-ish guys who have some touch, who have some more skill. You could put it on the floor a little bit. You don't really have as many guys who could say, all right, this guy is could be an athlete more on the wing, could be a little bit of a dog and get inside it, you know, and hit the glass a little bit, you, you know, I think there's potential to have some more, especially some toughness from a player like that because he hustles so hard. And I think that's intriguing and that's nice, but it's just you gotta you gotta give him you gotta give him something, right? Like I mean, it's it's sort of different types of players, and certainly if if Dorian Finney-Smith has the career that a Jay Crowder has, then we're all real happy, right? But I think Darian, I don't think Jay Crowder gets traded if he just shows some more of the offensive skill that he revealed in Boston here if you give if he gave management a reason because clearly Rick loved him if you give management a reason to say look there's some more offensive potential here don't give up on this we're probably not talking about trading him in that in that you know in that Rondo deal and it just didn't happen soon enough and why I don't think we'll ever know I don't know whether it was him thing or Brad Stevens unlocking the mystery or just never clicked here whatever but you know I feel like that's sort of where you're with Dorian of just 
there's so much to like, but you just got to give me something on offense that you do consistently well that can give me a reason to keep you on the floor. And that's really going to be the challenge of whether he sticks or whether he doesn't. I feel like Maxie's about to have his Dwight Powell year mm. where mm -hmm. we went out into an offseason and went like, okay, this guy needs to be the seventh guy off the bench. Like, he needs to be the seventh guy in the rotation. He's, you can't keep him away from that. Um, I think he's about to have that kind of year. The year they got Dwight Powell paid that – uh, turned Dwight Powell into the player he is now, which is one of the best bench bigs in the league. And then with Dorian, it's they're going to give him every opportunity yeah. to win a bench wing position. Yeah. And he's done every – he's taken the right steps. It's reworking the three-point shot. Yeah. He's been, by all reports, best shooter in training camp. Um, now let's do it in the game. Yeah. Because we need minutes – from a wing like him. Oh yeah. Like if they're gonna be if they're gonna be a team, and uh, whenever you were explaining like the dudes that, to me it's like dudes that overperform their expectation and their contract and change your team from, you know we're just like a you know star-studded team and then our bench isn't that solid. The dudes that I always think of that did that for years against the Mavs. Uh, I remember for years just yelling at the TV about. Son of a bitch, Omri Caspi got us again. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever he's with, like, the Rockets. Bob Sura was that yeah, guy forever, yeah. oh too, my man. God, yeah. I need, like, three or four Omri Caspis where you're just like, who is this guy? Like, if you're not with the team, you don't know how good yep. this guy is. Yep. yep. Uh, because we all, every team kind of just operates in their own little silo. And yeah. if you're around the team, you're like, yeah, y'all ain't got anybody that can guard Maxi. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> you don't have a dude. And then I want, I want other fans to watch Finney Smith, to watch Jalen Brunson, because Jalen Brunson is going to frustrate the hell out of other teams did you dude. see the there was a great quote uh seth davis did this monster thing for the athletic where he basically after the draft he talked to a scout or like three different scouts and they broke down every single player just got quotes mm. and the quote about jalen brunson was something to the effect of he's going to be that dude on your, four, your fourth game on five nights in february when no one gives a wants to go home and he's gonna win you a game because he cares mm -hmm. and he just doesn't give up and you're gonna be like well he's the only dude that's really going max ever tonight because he doesn't know anything else yeah. and like if that's not a rick player i don't know what is he basically yeah. single-handedly won the sixers game yeah like, he put him in, in the fourth quarter yeah. it was like a tie game he had like 11 points in the fourth quarter yeah and i mean and look like i'll, I'll totally cop to like when they draft him I was like all right great college player there's a lot to like but like is this the guy they need in the early second versus a more three and D approximated type? You just because we don't know what's on the wings, especially when at the time Yogi Ferrell was still in the mix. I'm like, is this? Are we sure this is what they need? But I I, I can see why. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe it isn't the deal of right now. It's a big positional need, but you know, especially now that you let Yogi walk and Devin and JJ are a little long in the tooth. You know, another guy who all right, we're talking about when you're building this team out in three four years. Well. If this is, you know, in your top eight, like, could I see Jalen Brunson being a guard off the bench who's a good player on a good team for a while? Yeah, absolutely, with the makeup he has and the fact that, you know, like, look, it's it's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. Some dudes know how to win and know the little things to do, and that dude clearly does. Mm. So, yeah, I could see it. There's uh, Brunson got taken around the time where, like, there was this, this slew of, like, 3 and D prototype guys that were, like, 6'8 to 6'10, and you, for whatever reason, I feel like we're all kind of, like, uh, we just have a blind spot on those type of guys in which we all see the best in them. Oh, yeah. Like, like your Melvin Frazier's, like your dudes that went around that area, mm -hmm. and you're like, 
Well, man, if he plays elite defense and knock down threes, well, you know what's littered with that prototype of guy? The G League and two-way contracts. <laughs> like, it just is. Yeah, it it's is. like, if this, then this. If that, then that. Like, there's nothing with Jalen Brunson that's like, if he does this, he can contribute. I think Jalen Brunson can contribute night one. Like, you need a yeah. good ball handler that's going to really frustrate and take advantage of. Like, he's, dude, he's so smart whenever he gets into a game. I didn't appreciate him enough. Because I'm not a Villanova fan, and I just see Villanova in the tournament. Yeah. I'm like, this team just has a greater talent and is coached better than anybody else. But watching him in the preseason games and watching him in practice and seeing him work, he's so stinking, stinking smart Yeah, about finding – it's like, it's like whenever I explain what Luca's best skill is, I tell people his best skill is putting the basketball where the basketball needs to be. Mm-hmm. If he feels a gravity coming towards him or collapsing into the paint – He's going to get the ball swung around to the open guy one way or the other. Um, even if it's a jump pass, even if it's, you know, it's whatever needs to happen, he's going to make sure that happens. Brunson's the same way. If he realizes the guy that's defending him isn't respecting him, he's going to body him and he's going to get him in the air and he's going to draw a foul or he's going to get his shot off. And uh, it, so it makes more sense to me now. On, on draft night, I was like, ah, oh, boring. Two-time <laughs> national player of the year. Two, you know, national champion. Boring. But uh, I, think I've, I think I've overcame it a little bit, just seeing him in person, seeing him talk, seeing him play. Uh, and I'm excited for Jalen Brunson, man. Yeah. No, I mean, look, you know, like just sitting here thinking about it, and this isn't more stylistically, but just kind of the, again, we're going back to different archetypes, right? Like if he's Derek Fisher, would that shock you of just good player, good team, plays in the league for 10 years, mostly because he's smart and he maximizes the talent he has? that surprise anybody here? No. I mean, no. he's, like, kind of bigger J.J. Barea. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I keep going back to that game. But, I mean, he's out on the floor with four other guys that came in cold. Costas, Ray Spalding, like, guys that are fighting basically for their careers. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he's taken down. I mean, the, the Sixers, like, second players, second string players were in that game. And they, he's, he's creaming them. Yeah. He just knows how to play. Yeah. Um, coming back to the Mavs and what we've put together this season, this was one of my favorite questions. It's always – I mean, going into a season – always is unless there's about uh five to ten different options of the answer for this question and the question is okay biggest concern whenever you look at this roster on paper um mine is okay a lot of shooting just went out the door mm-hmm. uh doug mcdermott yogi Farrell. like i think that the ball movement's gonna fix it yeah i think that luca's gonna fix a lot of it and i think he's gonna knock down open shots as we've seen in the preseason I think Dennis is going to shoot better, but that's a lot of I thinks. Yeah. So how do you prove to me, you know, this is a good shooting team from three because we're going to shoot a lot of them. So I guess I got asked the question to you, biggest concern with this roster uh, at this point on paper? Uh, perimeter defense. I just don't know other than Wes who I can consistently count on to give it to me every night. And Wes is 32. Mm-hmm. Uh, and – you know, what do you talk about building this team for the future? Um, you know, whatever scenario you slice this as, and I think I, I'm, I'm with you guys. You know, I've had my own opinions on it, and I've certainly listened to everything you guys have been doing. I'm with you that I think this is going to be a, a very good West year, maybe his best year he's had here. But even the most optimistic. West turns 32 Sunday, by the way. Okay, happy birthday, Wes. Happy birthday, Wes. Happy birthday. Wes. Happy birthday. Uh, but, you know, the even the most optimistic scenarios probably don't have this team uh, really being dangerous when Wes is still close to his prime, right? So, uh, you know, for the so even if Wes still looks like Wes this year, and even if you bring him back, which is you know that's a year ahead, we'll worry about that next year. But 
you still got to find somebody else in this roster who can do it long term. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of this ideally like, look, you can you can maybe get away like look at Golden State. Right. Is, is Steph the, the best perimeter defender? Probably not. But Clay Thompson is. So you can get away with one or two guys, you know, if there are four, you know, three or four are elite dudes. But if you do the math here, you basically need at least one of Dennis or Luca to be above average as a perimeter defender and develop into that. And so I, I really want to see some of that growth on this end this year. I don't know who's going to come off the bench and do that. I think Dorian could be a guy who helps there. But again, to keep him on the floor, we got to see something on offense. So it's kind of a, you know, we're looking for two-way guys. And I think you're, you're looking especially, like, I'm with you that I, I can I could dream on the jump shots of a few of these guys. And I could dream on the ball movement being better. I don't know how much I can dream on perimeter defense right now with some of these dudes, and I hope I can, and I think this is going to be a very big thing. Somebody's got to figure it out. But for me right now, I know Wes is going to be able to guard his man and do it consistently for however long he's on the floor. I don't know who else I could say that about right now on the perimeter, and that's my big question. I think you get DeAndre in here to try and help plug up those holes. True, and that helps the, to a point. But, yeah, from from a national perspective, I guess you read – about people, especially you know, on the West Coast who are watching a lot of Clippers games, saying, well, DeAndre kind of fell off a little bit last year. Could be his age. His Zen is – he just turned 30, I think. Yeah. Or his, yeah, just, yeah he, was, he was a little upset that, I called, him, that I called him 30. He was, uh, he's, a, he's a little sensitive to that right now. <laughs> uh, he's, so he's 2010. But I didn't watch every Clippers game. I watched a lot of Clippers games. But I view his um, – maybe kind of step back as circumstantial there was a lot of be. there was a lot of turnover in yeah. LA uh you know losing Chris Paul trading Blake Griffin a lot I of young guys Austin Rivers and Lou Williams are your are your guards I, I mean you're not getting a very a lot of happy help. team to put yeah. it mildly yeah so uh, I mean do, yeah do you think how much how much do you think he has left in the tank and what what was kind of going on with him last season yeah as, before he joined I mean I, you know and look I'm you know I cover everything so I, I wasn't in Staples all the time I wasn't in their room so I'm I'm hard I'm the furthest thing from an expert but I saw all the things that you saw you know and I I, I think anytime you have a guy who is whose game a large part of it derives from athleticism, and not all of it, because he's a very smart defender, and I don't think be I think sometimes because he's such a great athlete, people don't give him credit for just the nuance he understands, uh, especially the defensive end. And just he doesn't just like hopelessly lunge. At yeah, no, shots. no, you, he's very savvy, and I think that will, if nothing else, will allow him. Look, even if he's not what he the, the peak of what he was, he's still going to be a drastic improvement over anything we saw in the middle last year for the last few years. Um, I just, I'm not going to rush to judgment just for everything you just said, right? You know, we just, it was, uh, it was a, a tumultuous situation. The team had a lot of overhaul. I mean, you know, you, even if they had the same record they had the year before, you know, that would be one thing. But then all of a sudden it's, hey, we're Blake and DeAndre. And now Blake's gone in the middle of the year. Nobody saw it coming, right? So there's so many things we just don't know. Uh, and I think he's excited to be here. And I think as a system with a coach that, you know, it's just a different culture. It's, I, I think, a culture that's like going in the right direction. So I just don't want to rush to judgment yet because I just don't know. You know, I, I like, would it shock me if, you know, a guy who has a lot of miles in his legs, who has a lot of jumps in his legs, who is built off of athleticism, going to his 30s isn't the same guy? Well, of course not. But there's just so many variables that I don't feel comfortable pointing to any one thing yet because we haven't seen him do it here. So I don't know. But I, I do think even if he is a slightly diminished DeAndre, I think you're totally right that he will help a lot. I think we're banking on that. My, but, you know, to a point... So he can't do that game in, game out. Not even the best. I mean, Rudy Gobert can do everything for Utah on the defensive end, right? So somebody's got to step up on the perimeter both now and in the future because, again, that's another guy who maybe DeAndre's only here one year or maybe he's here for the foreseeable future. But, you know, uh, Luca and Dennis at 
ages 24 and 25, well, DeAndre isn't going to be your, your, your bell cow in the middle at that age. So we still got to find some development of the perimeter defensive end, and that's where I'm at. I think a lot of the responses to what Houston has done and what Golden State has accomplished is what Utah has put together, what Oklahoma City has put together, which is top five defenses. Um, and it's been so long as I'm – uh, it's been so long in my Mavericks fandom since we've actually had a conversation about is this a two-way roster? Yeah. We've always been just like, let's just get some pieces. Let's just, <laughs> let's let's get players. Just, let's just grow yeah. a little bit. So let's it's kind of better. a luxury that we're even talking about. Exactly. Yeah. That's, why, that's why whenever we start talking about that, it makes me – my ears perk up because I remember the last time we talked about that type of stuff was like Parsons-Monte year yep. when we were like, this team's way too offensive-minded, yep. which, is, which is fine to an extent because I think 60% of the game is, is offense – um, at this point in the league. Oh, and 100% of enjoyment is offense. Yeah, 100%, 100% of enjoyment, enjoyment is offense. Look, but, you know, at the same time, you don't want to go full Denver. Denver's going to be yeah. a blast to watch on offense this year, and I don't know who they're guarding yeah. at all. <laughs> they, they've got issues, and they double, and they double down on it. I will, I will love them on league pass. That yeah. team has a very early 2000s Mavs feel to it. Oh, absolutely. Uh-huh. They're going to be uh, – I'll, I'll equate them to uh, Joey Gallo. Very, very memeable, mm. but you don't want to <laughs> see the strikeouts. Yeah. Don't show me the strikeouts. I just want to see the highlights. Yeah. Yep. Show me Jokic. Show me the bombs. <laughs> Jokic passing between his legs with no look or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And Murray going off for forty-five. Yeah. Again. Let's let's see yeah. that. And then Paul Millsap's like, guys, come on, let's play some defense. <laughs> but uh, the fact that we can talk about like a two-way roster, a roster that has enough two-way players. Oh yeah. Um, Rick brought it up today. I think he said Wes and Barnes are two-way guys. I think people kind of forget the effect that DeAndre has on offense. Mm-hmm. I consider DeAndre a two-way guy. Like, you yeah. might not think 20 points a oh, game. Yeah. Um, you know, shot creator, dribble pass, shoot guy. But dude, DeAndre hasn't been on a uh, team that was worse than, I think, eighth in offensive rating in, like, a decade, like his entire career, basically. Um, so the effect that he has and, like, a big man like that can have, especially if the, the drop in defensive numbers last year – was just kind of an anomaly. Was just kind of a fluke because, I mean, they were they were a little they were scary. There's no way around it. It's I think he challenged half as many shots as the year before at the rim. I think people shot close to sixty percent uh, in the restricted area against him. But from all reports and everyone I've heard talk about, you know, practice time that he spent in there, he's he's the captain. He's yelling at people. He's calling it out. He's the quarterback. He's the goalie. So that's very encouraging to me. Yeah, and as if, and as if we already didn't want to, you know, metaphorically slide him into the place that Tyson vacated. Well, there's another way, right? Because <laughs> yeah. that was that was Tyson's they role. They literally the said they brought up Tyson. Did that? Yeah. I'm talking about him. Yeah, I think it was Rick or, I don't know, someone. Mm-hmm. I guess it had to be Rick or maybe JJ. Yeah. There's only yeah. a handful of people who were here whenever Tyson was. <laughs> True. Yeah. But, I mean, no, Mike, I think you're totally right about, look, if you get that dude the ball and it's insti- inside the paint, He's going to score the ball. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty simple. And how many dudes can you effectively say that about? You know, I think one of the things that has been frustrating sometimes when everybody is just frantically trying to replicate what Houston – or really what Golden State is doing, because Houston's my, my example is going to bring up next, which is like not everybody has to shoot threes. Not all five guys have to. You can have Clint Capella who can roll and who can get to the rim and who could just finish that way. And it's still effective provided, you know, he's giving you defensive value. Like – you could still be your hyper athletic traditional five in a lot of ways as long as you, you know, have a roll game on offense and you can protect the rim on defense. Well, DeAndre's been doing that better than almost anybody for the last 
I don't know, seven years, give or take. So, yeah, I, I, th I think some of that gets lost. Well, DeAndre can't shoot threes. Okay, well, that doesn't matter. All right, if you space the floor in other ways and that you suddenly have him running and what, you're going to have some – you're going to have some, uh, some wing try to stop DeAndre Jordan throwing down at you. I don't care if he doesn't have quite the springs he used to. He's a very large man who's still athletic. It's going to work out fine. 70% on twos is that's pretty good rate. Yeah. <laughs> that's not bad. You're talking scoring. <laughs> not bad. And uh, Mark told the story today about DeAndre's agent. Dallas was the first call. It was, hey, we're going to get out of this contract. Hey, what's, what do you think? And so it feels like I might be – a year or two ahead or overstepping a little bit, but it feels like looking at what the Mavs have built, and this was kind of the follow-up question of the one earlier about like what's, what's going on and the curve, the learning curve and the, the advancement of this franchise. Uh, Luca, Dennis, um, you know, the ability to pay people and the franchise and the reputation they have. Do you think this is going to be next year when the cap booms a little bit again? It's going to be a crazy summer again. It's going to be, this is going to yeah. be 16 summer over again, but yep. Do you think Dallas is, from the outside looking in, a franchise in which free agents are going to go, you know, I'd like to be there, and if the money's the same, I'm, I'm choosing Dallas? I feel like they could be because, I mean, there's the, there's the elements we've always known about, which is, all right, they have stable management and ownership, and it's competent, to put it mildly, you know, very good ownership and management, and those, most teams can't say that alone. And I think, you know... Look, especially given the fact that, all right, everybody talks about the big swings and misses that they've had. But nobody talks about the fact that the last five years, yeah, they didn't get the cream of the crop, but they still got, you know, DeAndre Jordan and Chandler Parsons, and they got Harrison Barnes to come here. And those are guys who are good NBA players. And guys, I think, will want a reason. Like, look, if you get money, if the money is there, and you know the ownership is there, well, why wouldn't you? Well, the logic would be in the past, well, we didn't, they weren't building towards something. Clearly, they're building towards something now. So provided that the young dudes do what we think the young dudes are going to do, and provided that there, you know, there are some other the, the, the existing structure of Donnie and Mark and Rick are all here, and there's no reason that everything that would change, why not? You know, theoretically, why wouldn't they be? Uh, because how many how many teams can realistically say this is going to be a great city that has won, that has the institutional backing to win again, and that has two of the most exciting young guys in the league that you can team up with? Why, why couldn't it be there, you know? Not, not that many teams can literally pitch the idea that, okay, three years from now, this team's going to be better than it is right now. Yeah. Just because of Dennis's development and Luca's development. And you know, you know who's coaching you. Mm -hmm. You know what the stability of this organization is. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not we're not dealing with unknown factors here. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a rare thing to sell. I mean, other than San Antonio, who could sell that for as long as this team can. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it, it certainly could be. And it's going to be, you know, a, a lot of it, too, is going to depend on just we don't know what's going to happen with Harrison. We don't know how DeAndre's going to look. And, you know, it does help the fact that, look, if, if DeAndre, the worst case scenario is realized, well, that's why it's a one-year deal. Yeah. The uh, hardest part about building a team is having the guy, though. And they might have two. They might have two. They might have two of them. Yeah. yeah. You know. A lot of teams can pitch the idea that, hey, we'll be better in three years from now, two years from now. That's just an idea. Like, I feel like. And that's what doomed them the first time when it was, yeah. you know, well, we know that Dirk is in his 30s, but mm -hmm. we've got these plans. Well, right. even when it was an all-time great player, it was, well, I don't know what you're going to be better in three years, but it's going to be really hard for this team not to be better in three years. Yeah. Just, I mean, you can show them any graph you want about 
fourth year point guards or you know right. fourth year uh top three picks it's pretty simple like the guy's gonna be better his third fourth fifth year than he is at this moment yeah so you're 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 betting on you're, you're like putting money in a in a cd you're like hey yeah well this year we might be play a borderline playoff team next year i would expect a step forward it's almost like um the the early 2000s Mavs. Yeah, I was just about like, to say that. Where you take the natural the natural steps of, holy crap, we made playoffs, and then it's oh wow, we're in the second round, and then it's oh we're in the Western Finals. And man, you know that's look, we all want to be competing for championships year in year out, right? But like since that doesn't happen for anybody that's not Golden State, like th- this is this is fun. I've I've missed this, you know. I'm, I mean, I was a teenager the last time that this stuff was happening, you know, and like just fun to see them grow and know that like this is getting somewhere because especially because there gets to be a certain point where the expectations start cresting and there's no more time to grow. Mm-hmm. And then that can get a little exhausting. It got to, you know, even when this team is winning, you know, high fifties to sixties games in like the latter part of the last decade before they won the title, there were some exhausting years just because there was this, there's so much conversation about it. They don't win the title. It's a failure. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, we shouldn't think that way, but people are fans and you naturally do. But like, there wasn't anything to grow to but the end. Whereas right now and for the next couple of years, it's, all right, I'm just excited to see this thing continue to move forward. Like, let's just have fun because just growth in and of itself is an achievement. It doesn't have to be this certain endpoint. It's let's just get better every day and let's see what this team becomes and let's watch these two young stars in the making just grow into themselves. That's a really cool special time. We haven't had that here in Dallas in 20 years. So, like, let's, you know, we should all try as, be- as best we can to just – enjoy that we are the fun part of the beginning of this journey right now yeah before expectations are too high before you're sitting there going okay well let's let's simulate this regular season and get to this first round or second round of these yeah. playoffs already yeah. like i feel like yep. we took we at some point we started taking that for granted and that's one of the weirdest things about basketball right now is the season's so long that like whenever you get to being such a good team you have to like change some of your core elements every season uh, like Golden State adding Boogie, like Houston changing some of their dynamic uh, yeah. in the locker room just to make people care. Game f- <laughs> game 45. Players and fans. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because otherwise, you have to set these little like check-in points, right? And with Golden State, they fabricated one, bringing in Boogie, where I feel like whenever yeah. Boogie gets back in January or early February, they're just going to want to show off. They're yeah. going to want to shine. They're going to want to win 10 in a row with Boogie just to prove you wrong that this is going to work. Yeah, it's the psychological hurdles that Steve Kerr and all these guys go through. It's just, like, so in- intense. You yeah. Know? I mean, nobody, really nobody believes it's going to work in Colt State this year. So they got to prove Backs against the wall. Yeah, they got to prove Scrappy little guys. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, it is, it, here, here is the Golden State conversation to, to segue briefly off the Mavs. It's just that if Durant leaves – Mm. then suddenly we've gone from, well, Golden State is this inevitable thing to, well, Golden State might only have a couple years left because Andre's getting up there and Steph is over 30 and suddenly Kevin's gone and nobody really expects – I mean, literally, if you look at the way the contract is set up, they cannot keep Boogie after one year. So we could – this could be – nobody's going to say it, but this could be the last big Warriors year. Um, And then all of a sudden – all of this, oh, the West is so inevitable, what's the point? All of a sudden, you just reset the whole equation. Because if Golden State stops being – look, they would still be a top two to three team in the West minimum, right? Let's not go too far overboard. But if suddenly Durant is gone and they're not just this impossible giant that nobody's going to take down, well, then you're, you're looking – and meanwhile, here in Dallas, you know, looking all the way up at them, 
the young dudes a little better. I'm, I'm moving my hands closer together for those of you who cannot see this at <laughs> it's home. It's a visual representation. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not a visual medium, <laughs> yeah. but I'm an idiot, so we're just going to keep doing this. Uh, and suddenly, okay, Luca and Dennis are the real deal, and maybe one, of the, one or two of these young bench guys becomes a core piece, and suddenly another guy comes in a free agency next year. Well, maybe all of a sudden we're, we're accelerating the timeline a little bit, you know? So this might not be as far out. We sit here now, and for everything I said 25 minutes ago about, like, I'm still two, three years away from thinking this is a real contender. A lot can change in a hurry. So for all we know, we could be sitting here this time next year being like, all right, they're clearly not a contender now, but I think this is a clear Western Conference playoff team, and in a year or two, maybe we're talking, you know? Yeah. Who are these other teams that we're going to be talking about in that similar vein, right? You, like, you look at Phoenix and you say, wow, they got a pretty impressive young core. Aiden Booker, uh, Josh Jackson, but it, it feels like in Utah also, you know, Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, but it feels like a lot of the – powers that have been in the West, Golden State, Houston, San Antonio. Houston, you know, Harden's still in his, his mid to upper 20s, but Chris Paul's, what, 35 now? But think, I think he was, what, 33? I don't think he's quite 35 yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, But in, in year 14, year but I mean, 15, say, his body's he's had a hard, yeah, he's had yeah. a hard go. I mean, who are the teams that are going to be there in two or three years? How, how, I, it's tough to predict the future in this league because, like, it changes completely almost every year. But well, Who's the team that's going to be there that hasn't maxed out that yeah, player. yeah. Like well, who, who I mean, and, and, you know, who else is with the Mavs here? Like, in, in two or three years, what is what is the West going to look like? I mean, it's it's a great question because, uh, you you know, probably any team could sit there and, and there is no one silver bullet. Whereas, like, I, I really think for as unbalanced as things have been for so long, uh, about the East being the weaker conference, like something would have to go really wrong for Boston not to be really really good. And in two, three years. And if Philly stays healthy, which is a monster if, but Philly's going to be up there too. And look, for all we know, like if Kawhi signs in Toronto, and yeah, it seems weird, but nobody thought Paul George was staying in Oklahoma City this time last year. Yeah. So, for, you know, there are probably more teams in the East that I look at. I'm like, all right, something would have to go wrong for them not to be title contenders versus the West. I think more things have to go right. But the answer to your question, which is kind of counterintuitive because the current best player does not fit this prime at all, but for me, it's the Lakers of sitting there saying, all right, well, like, even when LeBron inevitably ages, or so we think, because he's just the Terminator and he might not ever <laughs> age, but even if he does, you know, there are so many young guys that I think people overlook because, like, they didn't, you know, you talk about instant expectations being unfair, at least here, you know, in the Metroplex, we, we're watching. But in the larger, you know, from the national standpoint, this team's still flying on the radar a bit. Luka brings more attention on them, but trust me, there are... Seven or eight other teams in the West. Everybody's watching way more than Dallas right now, which is where you want it. Because poor Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, the minute they weren't stars right out of the gate as number two overall picks, everybody's like, oh, well, why they suck? And it's like, guys, let's slow your roll. Calm down. Brandon Ingram came in, and he needed to gain 40 pounds just, you know, even the skill set aside, needed to gain a bunch of weight. And Lonzo had the most intense amount of hype for some reasons involving things that probably are his fault and a lot of them that aren't. Uh, that anybody's had in a while coming to this league. And now everybody's just like, oh, well, forget them. Let's trade them all. And let's mm -hmm. just, you know, let's just get LeBron, Paul George, and Kawhi and let them win there. But it's like, well, there are a bunch of really good young dudes there. So for me, uh, I sit here and I think, like, even unless LeBron goes into his golden years, theoretically, uh, I think there are multiple guys on that team where I'm like, yep, that could be a real team. Even with, you know, even with LeBron, it's 60% of what he could be in three, four years. That's before even you hit the free agent market. They go to the free agent market, and then you add to your your top, your theoretical top dudes in Lonzo and Ingram, plus your good supporting guys that we were talking about earlier, and like your Kuzma and your Josh Hart. And I think Josh Hart's being slept on a lot. Josh Hart can play. Um, that, to me, is the team that I think in three, four years, I'm like, 
they probably could be competing again for titles, which is obnoxious because of all the teams we don't want to see compete year in, year out. It's probably them, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. We just don't want to see the Lakers right. compete. But I could see that. Uh, but certainly that's another team, to be fair, the other side of the coin is other than LeBron, every guy on that team, we're talking about them the same way we're talking about Luke and Dennis right now. If we think they're going to be really good. We have reasons to expect that, but we haven't seen it like a Jason Tatum or a Ben Simmons or a Joel Embiid. And then other than that, you know, Utah, what's their offense going to be? Portland, is this backcourt going to work long-term and is, is there going to be something in the front, tor- front court to complement that? Is Denver going to find two-way guys? Um, every team's got questions. So why not here? Why not here in two, three, four years? You know, For, for all we know, it could happen. That's, that's the nice part of the growing process, right? This isn't you know, there's so much variance that it's not all, you know, going back to what Mike said at the very beginning, like we know what a Harrison Barnes season looks like. Well, when you have a whole roster full of Harrison Barnes type veterans, the way this team was in the late 2000s, uh, there wasn't much mystery. It was let's hope we can get over the hump, but we know what this team is. But right now, like there's so much to dream on. There's so many open possibilities. So why couldn't they be that when you have two bona fide star potential guys? I feel like the Lakers, if they just sat still and replaced their general manager with a a fern, (laughs) um, (laughs) then in three years they might be the best team in the NBA. (laughs) Or two years they might be the best team in the NBA. But, I mean, that biological clock is ticking. And I don't know. I mean, LeBron's an alien. It wouldn't surprise me if he's a first-team All-NBA guy into his 35th year on this planet or maybe even 36th, I don't know. But I feel like there's so much pressure on you better start hot because if you don't, we're going to get traded for somebody that I know will deliver right yeah. now. Yeah, that's a good point. you got to keep them unfair. together. It's unfair to those kids, uh, to me. Um, it's already unfair in the fact that Rondo is going to be starting in front of Alonzo <laughs> and – Brandon Ingram isn't a perfect fit next to LeBron and some of the reasons why, like, I don't think that's a really great fit or probably going to start cracking. Um, and the main one is he shot a total of 100 threes last year. Like, you can't play next to LeBron and not shoot threes. This nope. is not going to work. Um, but if they would just sit still and just go, everything's fine. We don't have to win a title the first two years. Let's try and get th- year three, let these kids turn into, you know, the – uh, all-star caliber. I mean, even Kuzma. I mean, even Josh Hart. Like, they have such a solid foundation. Mm-hmm. It's just, do they get impatient? Yeah. Do they start wanting to flip these kids for, you know, somebody that's on actually making one of the All-NBA teams and has a shorter lifespan, you know what I mean? That's already 29, 30 years old. So it's like, the Lakers, it's, you gave them a chicken. Are they going to let the chicken lay eggs, or are they just going to kill the thing on the spot? You know what I mean? <laughs> just grill something up tonight. Yeah, yeah. just like, let's, let's, yeah, let's be know. chill and let it lay eggs, and then you know, there's other chickens, and there's, chicken, and there's more eggs. Um, but I just think their impatience, and, the pre- and obviously they live under a different microscope than most other franchises, and the yep. sense that you, know, you don't win right now, then, you know, no one's going you, to – then you're like a mockery. Um, and I was yeah. trying to look up if see if – the Mother's Day massacre was the last time, the furthest, the last, furthest pl- they'd gone in the, into the playoffs. And no, I guess they went into a conference uh, semis the year after uh, with Mike Brown. But oh um, God. where I believe they were swept by OKC, I think, right? They were. Uh, I was. I remember see. that because I watched one of those games with a friend, a friend of the podcast. May not be a real human being anymore, Kevin Brolin. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. Uh, 
Yeah, that, I remember that last show. It was Kobe's last hurrah when Kobe was just like, I'm F it. I'm just launching all the jumpers right now. Yep. Just release the bombs. <laughs> let's go. They ran a, that, that season, they had a pace of 90.5. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that wow. Awesome? That's spectacular. Uh, wow. Um, I had another. Oh, and, and with Golden State, I feel like they, they, just, uh, they just went out and like, bought a pontoon boat. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. You're going to get divorced. <laughs> There's a divorce about to happen. I mean, yeah. Oh, you went and bought a boat, bud? Oh, yeah, you're going to get divorced. You know, yeah. I mean, look, Marcus Thompson the other day, you know, covers him for The Athletic. Like, uh, he wrote a thing, and he's like, this is strictly my hunch. This is not inside info. He's like, but if I guessed right now, I bet Kevin leaves. That's, wow. his, that's his guess. Uh, that's crazy. That would be nuts. And, I mean, then all of a sudden you're looking at that team, and you're like, all right, clearly three really damn good players, but three really damn good players going into their 30s with a lot of games on them. And the best of those dudes clearly hasn't been the healthiest in his lower body mm-hmm. all the time. So, yeah, they're going to be tough to beat. And they still might win another chip or two. Who knows? But it's not like where it is now where it's like, good luck. No. You know? What's, uh, I know you follow the draft and the rookies that are coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, who's, your, who's your favorite guy not named Luca that you want to watch this season? And uh, just watching one or two highlights in a couple games already, I feel like. Miles Bridges is going to be Jason Tatum, and I'm upset about it. <laughs> I was just, like, shocked how far he slipped and that the Clippers didn't take him with either of those picks. Yeah. I was like, what are we what, – what's going on here, guys? Uh, and, like, to be fair, like, a lot of people are big on Shea mm-hmm. and, like, seems like he's acquitted himself very well so far. Sure. But, you know, like, do you really need to go Jerome Robinson that early over Miles Bridges? I don't know. I was a big Miles guy. I mean, look, this is this is a – this is going to be a very stereo- – this is going to be such a cop-out answer because it's the first pick in the draft. But, like, I live on the West Coast, right? And I went to USC. So I watched a lot of Pac-12 hoops last year. I watched DeAndre Ayton. And USC's best big man was Chemezi Batu, second-round pick by the Spurs. NBA big. Athletic guy. Got some things to like about him. Could stick in the league. Wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, you know, definitely deserves to be drafted and be on a good team. And, my God, DeAndre just ate his lunch every <laughs> time they played. It was like watching a different species out there. And I think some – and so for me, I'm, I'm a sucker for hyper-athletic bigs, which is why, like, I was – look, I was banging the Nerlens drama as hard as anybody, man, you know. And DeAndre's game has got so much polish to it on the offensive end. And I think some of it, like, you know, and again, this is another deal where people are going to – gonna rush and be like oh my god we you know need if it's not perfect day one they're gonna freak right you know everybody knows that deandre as you know has some ways to go as a, as a rim protector in part because i don't think ever, he was ever asked to really do that a lot in college that's a thing people forget if you didn't watch like sean miller didn't ask me to do that all the time uh and maybe that's partly because he knew he had the number one pick of the draft he's just like i'm not gonna ask you to do this yeah. stuff let's come out i'm gonna cut my losses i just get you to yeah. do the stuff you want to do because that'll be fine for a college team well, uh, they, related they just got the number one recruit didn't they arizona uh, did they? Someone just committed there that was like oh, a top yeah, three Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think Josh Green. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, that's the reason you let DeAndre Ayton do whatever he wants. Yep. Is so yep. you can get the next DeAndre mm-hmm. Ayton on your team. I know it seemed insane to play him at power forward next to another big. I know it seemed insane to you know, run the defense you were running, but that's how you get the next one too. Which yeah. is potentially a problem with NCAA basketball. But yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah. for a different podcast. Another conversation. That's for a different podcast. So, you know, for DeAndre, like – that's going to be the thing too. Like I'm sure there are, there are Phoenix fans who are like, are we getting a little, little too hyped on him? You know? Mm-hmm. But I think, I mean, for me, I thought he was the textbook guy where the conversation went a little too far the other direction. I think there were points when people were like, oh, he's clearly the top guy, probably mid-season. And then by the end, and this happens in the NFL just as much, if not more than happens in the NBA, draft goes around, you have nothing to analyze but draft stuff. People start overthinking things. Yep. You're like, 
I don't know. And it's like, all right, guys, like, look, he's seven feet tall. He is bouncy as hell. He is so skilled. Let's not let's not freak out a little too much. You mm-hmm. know, like Luca is the only guy yeah. that you could sit there and say, oh, I take him over DeAndre. I don't think you're crazy. And I and I love Jaron Jackson. And I think would it shock me if Jaron Jackson's better than DeAndre? It wouldn't. But that's a whole lot more risk. Yeah. That's that's basically betting on like, hey, this dude who is really young and really raw, but developed really fast over. 15, the last 15 games of college basketball. Am I taking him over the most obvious thing? And you have to be crazy not to, or crazy to do that, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I'm going to watch DeAndre, and you know, I think certainly, like Bobby was saying, Phoenix is a great core, but when you go back to the infrastructure conversation, that's a mess. That ownership mm-hmm. situation, that GM situation, if Robert Sarver really wants to insert himself more into things, like one of the common denominators in NBA history is shaky owners who try to do too much, it unravels even the best situations. And so I look at that Phoenix team, and I love DeAndre, and I think Devin Booker is another guy who gets too much crap for the stuff he doesn't do versus what he's done at age 21, which is some historic stuff oh, on the yeah. offensive end. Uh, and I love that they drafted defensive-oriented wings to help those guys in Bridges and Josh. I can see it being really good, but I can also see that imploding. Uh, whereas I don't think – I think things can only ever get so bad here as long as health isn't in the equation. Mm-hmm. You know, health's the great equalizer. We just don't know about that. But I just don't – think ever things could ever get too terrible if you have players here i can see things getting really bad at a place like that because a year ago we're all sitting here going great man minnesota looks so good minnesota is on the right direction and now look at the mess you have and everything changes so quick man it was insane like to wake up one morning and i was in the shower and i was like the Cavs were in the finals three months ago (laughs) (laughs) in the nba finals yeah. Three months ago, and obviously that's one player and, specific. And, but and my and my best friend, my best friend from college, is a diehard Cavs fan mm-hmm. from Cleveland, and he's sitting there texting me ways in which he's talking to himself and be like, "Yeah, we can get the eight seed this year." And I'm like, <laughs> he's talking himself into the eight yeah, seed, yeah. and I representing the rest of the country, be like, "Don't get too hyped, bro." Yeah. In the finals last year, in the, in finals. the finals for the last four years, terrible team this year. <laughs> it's it's I mean it's it's fun because it makes the offseason more meaningful than it ever has and it's a year round league at this point. Yeah. Yeah. But uh it's so bizarre to think of the checks you were probably writing three months ago, four months ago if you're a Cavs fan, uh compared to how you feel right now. Um just the letdown of what happened to you. But back to back to Aiton, I think one of the we're gonna see him opening night, so I guess it doesn't hurt to talk about him uh, a little bit more extensively. Wednesday night at 9.30 on Fox Sports Southwest and ESPN. <laughs> Company man. Yep. That's right. Um, with Igor, uh, Luca's old coach on the other, not the other sideline. They use the same sideline, which is really weird to me, number yeah. one, but uh, whatever. Um, okay, so Aiton, I feel like he's he's been this, you know, uh, super hyped AAU kid. Um, everyone's known of him. He's been, he got to do whatever he wanted to do at Arizona. He seems like he's buying it. Like I've seen the videos of the, of, of son's practice and I think he's buying into being the defensive anchor and calling it out. I mean, I've heard he's a good dude. Yeah. You know? he's, that's, he's, that's half the battle. He seems like a DeAndre Jordan type personality, like real fun, real chipper, real positive type guy. Um, the trick with him, and this is probably going to define, his maybe his whole son's career uh, on that team or at least his rookie contract is okay are you willing to work your butt off defensively do all the really really tough stuff be the anchor um, and give as much effort on the defensive end as you will on the offensive end and still not win hardly at all yeah this season 
especially with Booker's hand injury, if he misses time early, they're going to start off bad. That's just the way it is. Yep. Um, and if he's so, if he's going, man, I'm killing myself out here. Like, I'm locked in every possession. I get out this game, I'm exhausted. I don't have fourth quarter, my legs are almost dead. I can't even shoot the ball. And we, we're losing. Yeah. Like, that, the mental disconnect Strain, that, that, yeah. Yeah, that could happen. And I feel like that happens with a lot of guys. Yeah, I mean, like, a lot of people talk about, you know, Carl Anthony Towns' lack of defensive development. Well, certainly that has to be a factor, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, and I think that's kind of a thing that people don't realize is it's not just the individual player. It's the culture and it's the team and around that. And so, yeah, I mean, and look, we just made the Minnesota to Phoenix cultural parallel and how things can be shaky. Well, what if things don't improve? Cause it's one thing. Yeah. I mean, it could be bad. He could give up year one, but let's say like he keeps playing good soldier and he's like, all right, I get it. You know, we're still in the upswing, whatever, but then things don't change by year two or by year three or year four is if year four is you just be like, screw this. I'm sitting all my energy to just go all out on offense. Cause we're not winning unless I do that. And then meanwhile, he doesn't get that. It's not, you know, because you're giving up on the other end, it's just not really doing much anyways. Mm-hmm. Who knows? There's so many variables and it's so hard to be, that type of a big man and do those things and basically just make your money doing just grunt work all it's the not damn fun. time. No, it's really not fun. It's not a fun, fun experience to go out there and like be like, all right, I'm the punching bag for a couple hours and I got to stay locked in defensively and all the stuff you just genuinely don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, well, think about it. Blocking shots is fun, mm-hmm. but often nowadays guys aren't coached to block shots because you're either going to be out of position or you're going to foul someone. Yeah. Like, so you can't even do the one fun thing that, that yeah, is possible defense. to do. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And it's, it's just weird. I feel like situation can ruin a lot of guys. Yeah. And not even ruin. I don't even want to make it sound bad of like how Carl Anthony Town is, Towns has evolved. I think, yeah. you know, phenomenal player. You'd pick him over just about anybody else in the league if you're going to start a team. But – no one's going to look at that guy and expect his defense to change at this point in his career. And that's the difference between a championship caliber roster or, you know, a fun fifth seed. That's the difference between him and Anthony Davis. Yeah. Anthony Davis could be the best dude on a title team because he does the work on both ends. Yeah. And Towns might be because Towns as an offensive player is probably flawless. He's mm-hmm. as close to flawless as you can get, but – when you're giving up that much to the other end, especially as you know your primary interior defender, man, then you have to, you really have to trick out the rest of that roster to find ways to you know short you know avoid some of those shortcomings. And it's just it's so hard because you have to find certain player archetypes that don't really exist. There are that many of them, and even if you do, it just doesn't work. Like, look, I am the biggest Allen Iverson fan of all time, and I watched Iverson for years, but like just the way he was he was brilliant in what he did but like it was a constant pain watching the Sixers be like all right we need a big point guard and at a time in NBA history when there were not many big point guards who can basically be my primary wing defender and at the same time if I need him to cover the point guard because Allen just wants to freelance and play passing lanes tonight not actually go man up (laughs) on somebody then he can flip back and do that Mm. good luck finding those you know so if, if the defense doesn't improve for talents even if you know whatever however the Butler situation resolves itself you know, we're looking two, three, four years in the future. And let's say even if, like, best case scenario, Andrew Wiggins doesn't look like a total disaster, which right now looks like a total disaster for the money he's making. Well, then, even if you get to a certain point, you still have to wonder, like, well, shit, are we screwed because our best player just isn't going to play any interior defense and I don't know how we're getting any? Like, that's that's why this league is so – it's so hard to win a title. That's why people as fans probably need to reconsider expectations because only certain teams ever win. And 
you know, everybody else gets tossed by the wayside. But it's like, well, so much has to break just right to win even once. We saw that here in 2011. So many things had to go right. It took literally, that's why one of the reasons I love that team so much is that it took every guy on the playoff roster doing something. How many teams could say that the way that they could? Literally every guy had a moment where you're like, if he doesn't do that, if Corey Brewer in the third quarter of game one against the Lakers doesn't come out like a house of fire and flip the entire game and they steal game one, do they have the momentum to come back when the Lakers were looking so dominant the last two years? Like if they go down 1-0 in L.A., are they mentally in a place after that Portland series where they were so shaky to – got out that series and get to the finals? I don't know. That's just one example. But, you know, it's so many things that add up. And even with the best players, so many things have to add up right. And sometimes that sucks because it's like there are only so many ways you can win. It's not like the NFL or baseball where it can change so quickly. But that's also what makes it so interesting is that the, the tiniest little details can flip so much. Let's, uh, let's wrap up with um, what do you want to see and what do you want for Dirk in year 21? Um, I'm not going to say it's the last one because he's not going to say it. And – uh, there's always the doors always open, but you know it's it's a very important season. It's year 21. It's 40 years old. Yep. It's uh, okay. These kids are less than half my age. Yeah. That he's playing with. Uh, he's he's older than Luca and Dennis combined. <laughs> um, but what do you want from uh, from 41? Oh man, it's uh, I I tell this to people, especially when I was living in LA and they knew I was a Mavs fan and all that. I I, I compare it to kind of your you know your aging grandparent. It's like, whatever makes him happy. You know, like if he, if, you know, like you're like, well, why, why does your grandpa just want to like drink alcohol at 11 in the morning? I don't know, man. He's done a lot in his life. Okay. If that's what he wants to do, just let him do it. You Shouldn't find they? yourself at a horse track on Saturday at 9 a.m. You're like, what are we doing? Shouldn't they not be smoking right now? <laughs> you know what? You know, whatever. Uh, hey, let him do whatever. Listen, yeah, whatever. man worked hard for long enough. Like that's what he wants. Let him do it. That That's basically where I'm at here. And like, of course, like you, you, you have the dream scenario of a franchise guy who isn't going to make it about him and isn't going to disrupt things. But, like, there were absolutely, and I know living in L.A. for so long, there were absolutely Kobe fans that when Kobe was just being like, yeah, I'm taking all of your cap room and I'm shooting whenever the hell I please and you're not going to do anything about it because I'm Kobe freaking Bryant. There were a lot of Lakers fans who were like, yeah, cool. <laughs> just, all right. Tell no, bro. Yeah, nobody called him out on it because, like, and that's the way it is here, man. Like, if Dirk wanted to just, like, look, we all know the deal. If Dirk told Rick, I don't want to come off the bench, you bet Dirk will be in the starting lineup every single time this season. Uh, and he's not. But my, my thing is just like, I want this team to be good, and I want him to have fun, and I want him to look as good as he reasonably can look. Like, if he looks like a version of what he was last year, you know, Bill Simmons always makes the, hey, he's going to be Sam, late career Sam Perkins. If he just looks like basically that, and he's healthy, and he's happy, and he's having a good time, and, like, the kids are growing, and he can be proud Papa Dirk, then like great man like that's that's all I want like I don't I don't think for him at this point and it hasn't been for a while it's not really about how much they win I think it's just is he having fun and is he doing something where he could see you know this place through to the next generation without him and I think we're finally at the doorstep of that so as long as he enjoys it and he's having a good time and like you know I would like to see selfishly as a fan um, I'd like not necessarily for a farewell tour because you know that's not ever happening with him but at least just like not the Tim Duncan move where like when it's the last couple games if it's this year if it's next year whenever it is just to like let people know because I think he deserves to be celebrated I think Dirk's the personality that he, he will do that for for people right but you know I, I think I'd like when I think about what I want for Dirk I just basically want all of the feels moments um, and I want that 
I, I, it's a very weird experience, and I, I've. It's strange because like all of us, it's like the dark generation. I don't, I don't understand. I remember some Mavs fan, but like I was going to the airport the other week, and my Uber driver was twenty one, and I was like, dude, you don't even know a life without this guy. Nope. This has been your life. Whenever you turn on television and basketball, or sorry, television. Basketball television in Dallas, you see this man. You're a whole life on the planet. We don't know anything but that. So I think just making sure that he is healthy to go out and play the season he wants to play at this age and just that he gets whatever moments he wants, even if he doesn't necessarily know he wants them now, right? It's like the famous story of when he ran into the shower and sobbed after they won the title and they convinced him to go out because like, you may not want to do this now, but you will regret not going out there the rest of your life if you don't do it. He's like, you're right, let's go. Even if he, there will be times because he, you know, he, he's so self-effacing, he doesn't want the attention, but even if there's times now where he's like, this is a little much to be in the spotlight, 20 years from now, he's probably going to like it. His kids will probably love it. So just making sure that he has those moments before the end, whether it's this year, whether it's next year, that people show the appreciation for him because we're never going to have an athlete experience like that ever again. And I, I want him to know and grasp how much that means to this city because it means so many pe- a lot to so many people here. He was on JJ Reddick's podcast, actually. I was on, listening to the, the way over. Yeah, I got to yeah. finish the rest of it that the was, way back. Uh, that one came out on what? What's the day? Wednesday? Thursday. Thursday. Yesterday. Yeah, it came out Thursday. Yeah, yesterday. And uh, he was just talking about uh, his last game with the German national team. That was in 2015. <laughs> and... He had never said, I'm done with international basketball afterward. And the crowd kind of expected it, but wasn't informed. Like, it was just kind of up in the air. And uh, Germany lost a game. It was in Berlin, I believe. Uh, lost a game to be eliminated from this tournament. And he's doing this post-game interview. And then his entire team leaves the floor. It's just Dirk on the floor. After this interview, he turns around, sees his teammates are gone, and then the fans just kind of spontaneously stand up and give him this standing ovation. And uh, it was really emotional video watching it as it happened live. And then hearing him talk about it afterward, he talked about how emotional it made him. Um, This unexpected sort of kind of spontaneous farewell. And uh, he said, you know, it's kind of embarrassing. He he doesn't really like the attention. But he said, now looking back on it, that was one of the coolest experiences of of his life. Just hearing all of these people applaud him for all of the things that he was able to do for them. And I'm I'm sure in Dallas it's going to be even more crazy because you know there's 21 seasons of history or 22 if it happens next year or whenever and so I think his experience with those German fans and and understanding how cool that moment felt for him I think that he will want to he'll want to experience that in Dallas I think yeah just I knowing that that happened especially hearing that story you know I, I think that I mean it's just it's just crazy especially those German fans you know a quick story before we you know shut it down but I remember I was I was in college and I came home for spring break and I went to a Mavs game with my dad and it was they were playing the Lakers and there was this young couple probably like mid mid 20s two very German looking people and they I start a conversation with them and they are in fact German and they there are vacation packages in Germany where you go to the United States you go to a Mavs home game and then you go to like two road games like immediately following that and it's just like a Dirk tour. That's and awesome. they were here for the Dirk tour. They're like, this is our vacation. And they were like, yeah, like we were those people who would get up at three in the morning and watch the finals and go to bars. And the bars would be open in Germany because it was Dirk. And like, that was crazy. We heard that. But like when I heard there's the Dirk tour to come to Dallas and see him in person and then just go to random road games. I'm like, you know, it's like February in Boston right now. And the Celtics weren't that good then. I'm like, you know, you're going to be really cold. Do you sure you want to do this for your vacation? Like, well, we get to see Dirk. I'm like, 
man, that's awesome. You know, and like, I don't know. I mean, it just made me happy. Like even like listening to the first part of that podcast, the drive over here today, just like hearing him say, like when JJ asked him, like, are you going to live in Dallas after? He's like, yeah, that'll be home base. I'm like, man, that's awesome. Like that's, he belongs to the city, you know, and that's just a, that's a cool special thing. And from somebody who spent like, you know, 10 cumulative years in LA, a couple different stints, like that was always just watching him play on TV was like, just felt like home, you know? And that's cool that he feels that this place is his home the way that it means so much to everybody else because like it is it is that there will no matter whether it's cowboys rangers stars wherever there will never be anything like that again here I, I, in our lifetimes and that's a that's a crazy powerful thing 41 forever um all right Pellucci, tell the people where they can find your work tell them what you're working on uh, pub, pub it up yeah, at Mike Likes Sports on Twitter, all one word, because y'all aren't going to know how to spell my crazy Italian last name, and I don't expect <laughs> you to. Uh, yeah, I'm all, I'm all over the place. I uh, just finished something up. You know, just did a ringer story a couple weeks ago. I'm trying to set up next wave of things, but usually all over the place, different national things, writing about different stuff. Uh, haven't written as much NBA stuff lately because everybody writes NBA stuff, but hopefully I'll be able to do some more hoops things this year. We'll see. Now that we got some some fun things back in the Metroplex. I'm in a place where I can be out here or be in some other NBA cities nearby. We'll see. But at Mike Life Sports on Twitter. Awesome. Well, sweet. Episode three of The Ceiling is the Roof. Or Ceiling is the Roof. We doing a the? I don't know. I think it's just ceiling, ceiling. but I like calling it the ceiling. So I think Jordan actually said. you got to specify which the ceiling. The ceiling is the roof. So... I'm going to settle on that. But, uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Please rate and review if you feel so inclined and check out our other products that we're throwing around on a near-daily basis, the four-pointer, um, whatever numbers on the board. Just between us girls, it's been a long week. I'm going to go home. Actually, we don't, go we don't the, have a podcast called It's Been a Long Week. We, <laughs> it's, no, that, it could be. <laughs> could, we Let's could see what the team's one. record is this year. <laughs> we can start when we just sit back here and just complain about stuff. <laughs> just God almighty. Um, but, uh, yeah. Thank you for listening. See you next week.